Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. Getting closer and closer to the weekend here with Weston Walker, and we're getting closer and closer to finally naming a head coach in Carolina. We're going to help you through this entire process, as we've been doing throughout the week. Had a couple of coaching profiles yesterday. We got through Shane Steichen. We got through Ben Johnson. Today, we're going to feature some coaching profiles on Mike Kafka, one of the candidates in that pool, as well as Ken Dorsey, a familiar name who was a quarterback coach here in Carolina for a while during the prime years of one Cam Newton quarterbacking for this Panther team. You can text us your thoughts and comments on a variety of topics we'll discuss today. 704-570-9610. That is the Garage Door Guru text line. 704-570-9610. We're actually starting off with some breaking news once again. Do you mind hitting the sounder to get us ready and get us jumping here? Don't tell us about no damn quarterback. Cornerback coach quarterback coach i said don't tell us about no cornerback coach i was talking about 50 from yesterday with dre Bly. <laughs> yes that's true i was like wait i didn't say that no yeah. fitty <laughs> fitty came in yesterday as excited as i've ever seen him before because dre Bly was fired and you can hear more about that on the heel tough blog podcast maybe not four corners but that's the website you can catch some more carolina coverage there with one josh fitty marlowe but some news came in here within the last 30 minutes that the Carolina Panthers have inquired and requested to interview D'Amico Ryan's defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. Now you're looking at D'Amico as the only other defensive style coach in the mix with Steve Wilkes. Everybody else is of the offensive mind. I actually had D'Amico Ryan's in the rundown a little bit later on in the show before I realized that the Panthers requested to interview D'Amico Ryan's. San Francisco 49er fan you are, Wes. D'Amico has done an excellent job with that side of the ball, possibly the best defense in all of the NFL, and really doing a nice job after you lose a great defensive mind like Robert Sala when he was named head coach for the New York Jets. How would you like D'Amico Ryan's just at the top of the dome being the coach for the Carolina Panthers? How would I like it? I mean, it's whatever. Okay. That's excellent analysis. I really <laughs> no, appreciate it. No, I mean, it. I, he's a hot candidate. A lot of people want him, but as far as just do I look at him as this spectacular coach, I mean, it, I don't know because the 49ers have such great personnel. Sala did an excellent job with them too. So it's like, the, to me, the 49ers defensive coordinator with the personnel they have is plug and play. Like, to me, I don't. You don't think a defensive coordinator makes all that much difference when you have that much talent no, on the side of the ball? No, I don't. You like D'Amico Ryans, though, right, Fiddy? Like, you would be pretty happy if he was a head coach and you were a fan of that team? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a guy that deserves to get, you know, legitimate uh, interviews and be considered to be a head coach in this league because, yeah, you have all that talent. You still got to make it look good on the field. Look at Look at Cleveland. They've got... The best pass rusher in football. They've got, you know, talent at all three levels, and that defense was a mess this year. So, you know, just because you have great talent doesn't mean – the coach deserves some credit. I just think here in Carolina, if we want to hire a defensive-minded coach, 
We want the guy that we just saw go six and six as an interim, and that being Steve Wilkes. Yeah. What, what's the difference, right? One, you have better numbers because San Francisco put up an well, excellent season. But one, you're that right. was quite disrespectful to try to compare Cleveland's defense to San Francisco. The personnel is not even close. Uh, they've got the best pass rusher in football. That's go. debatable. I don't really Nick think Bosa is the best pass rusher in football. I mean, if I had to pick Nick a guy Bosa, to start, to, does he have more sacks than Nick Bosa? If I had to pick a guy, I'm I'm taking Miles Garrett. Does he have better? Does he have more? sacks more pressures does he get doubled and triple more like if you dig into the analytics of Nick Bosa no Miles Garrett's a good analytics. player but he's not and and then you go to the real numbers and then I raise you the intangelytics and I, I take do? Miles Garrett <laughs> who, like who the leaves the league in sacks <laughs> I don't I don't know if the top of oh, my head I think I, it's Nick Bosa oh well hey numbers and hey, he numbers gets doubled and he gets doubled and triple team and still gets the I, yeah. I think it is debatable but I'm just like, saying but, as a complete defense the, the Browns' defense doesn't compare to San Francisco. That's correct, though. Overall That's what I'm saying. Overall personnel, you do have excellent defensive ends with Miles Garrett or Nick Bosa. I don't think San Francisco loses a step. If you have Miles Garrett instead of Nick Bosa, it doesn't take away anything from Bosa. That guy's yeah, an absolute and freak. And a half sack. The guy's amazing, right? Like I, I didn't want to open up with the debate, but that's what we had, right? We had debate of pass rushers from <laughs> well, you Cleveland out stuff and San like Francisco. That. You know, I was, you know what I'm we're learning is, is Wes can attack your guys, but you can't attack Wes's guy. But I'm coming with, but I'm coming with stats and facts and, and analytics stats and to back me up. Say that J.C. Horn's a top. Shut down corner. Mm, no, not, don't do not it. really. No. Not his covers no. great. No. <laughs> not his covers great. I'm not great. doing it. I'm not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> We're getting off the bus. Hurry. I'm hitting the ground rolling. I don't care. I'm driving out Walk the bus. Walker's uh, screeching off. Right. He got the bus screeching. Yeah. <laughs> Abandoned ship. We're not doing this today. Oh, if, that we, if we're doing that, we need the Titanic music. <laughs> we do, because that was about to be a crash right into an iceberg of a take that we were all about to hear from both sides. We're not doing the J.C. Horn debate today. Let's switch it real quickly and swerve off to some college basketball. How about Duke storming back last night against Pittsburgh? It looked ugly at first in the way that we thought maybe Duke would have another L, despite the Panthers being a nice surprise in ACC basketball this season. We did did see Duke come back in the second half of a close to 50-point for, uh, performance in the last 20 minutes. Here's head coach John Shire on Duke's adjustments once they came out of the locker room. I think what's exciting about this is we had some things that didn't go our way. They hit some tough shots. We didn't. Obviously, we were careless with the ball in that first half. And so to come out of this during a game, you know, it's NC State, you know, that run, we weren't able to get out of it. Early in the year, Kansas, we did. That was probably another game we did. We just didn't close. To know that we can do this, you're down 11. We got back pretty quick in the game and just thought we showed a tremendous amount of heart. I learned a lot about ourselves tonight. So Duke wins 77-69 to against the Panthers, who now move to 11-6. and And Duke moves to 13-4, and 9 still at home so something pretty impressive to look at there with an undefeated record at Cameron Indoor. How much faith is restored for you Wes and how much of it is the way that they did win against Pittsburgh? Do you like the fact that they showed they can come back in the second half and once they battle some adversity quote unquote in the first they didn't crumble? Yeah I think that's a great sign for them. I mean they had a plus 23 rebounding margin last night. Filipowski had 16 points in the second half and they held Pitt to 26 points in the second half uh, after giving up uh, 43 points in the first half. So uh, they really made the adjustments that they needed to make. As I said, Filipowski really came on last night. 
So, yeah, I think that is a positive sign for Duke. The shooting still uh, isn't there like they like it to be, but a tough, gritty performance against a Pittsburgh team that had been playing really good basketball. So are you more pleased with the performance of Filipowski, who went 8 of 14 from the field, scored 28 points, and got to the free throw line and hit 11 of his 13 attempts? Or are you still a little scared when you see Whitehead go 2 of 11, only score 6 points, you see Lively, 12 minutes off the bench. Well, Lively, so I, he, he's you're just already an done. afterthought. You're, you're already yeah. done with um, Lively. Five field goals made off of the bench, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, they play really good basketball. Like I said, that rebounding margin was, uh, you know, very vital to that matchup because they were able to make some plays and get out on a fast break. They had some spectacular fast break plays last night, and so uh, that helped them as well to ignite those runs. They hit some timely shots as well, but they just really buckled down on defense, and that's been their calling card all season long when you look at them statistically. Defense and rebounding, it showed up for them in the second half. They were able to get out on the break and get some easy buckets and then hit some uh, that they needed to as far as from distance. What do you think of uh, Duke's performance last night, Fiddy? John Shire said it felt like a vintage night in Cameron Indoor Stadium, and I felt that. I thought that was the first time in a, in a couple years that building really helped carry Duke to to the win. Like when they got on that run to start the second half, the energy and emotion in Cameron was overwhelming, and they did it on the defensive end of the court. And I think that's something for this Duke team. If they want to be the best iteration of themselves, they've got to commit to that end. If they commit to defending at a really high level, it'll it'll translate to easier offense for them the other way. And you would imagine that the shooting will come along. And so, you know, I said the other day, Duke fans need to be patient. I think last night was a good example of why I said that. So they get the win, and it comes after a win against Boston College, but only by one point on the road. You lost to NC State. You heard John Shire mention that Wolfpack loss in that soundbite. You beat Florida State, but remember you lost to Wake Forest on the road. Their next game is on the road, which all of their losses have come on. And they're playing Clemson, who is undefeated in the ACC. Wes, we'll talk a little bit more with Nada Edwards, who's going to be joining us, the producer of the Ion College basketball podcast. He'll be joining us at 1 o'clock. So we'll reference this once again. But I know you have been impressed with the Clemson Tigers and how they performed this year. How great of a game do you expect that to be between the Tigers and the Blue Devils? Yeah, it's going to be a huge game. Another chance for Clemson to show they are for real. They're 6-0 in the ACC for the first time in program history. Hunter Tyson chasing. Hunter averaging 30 points uh, between them. Hunter Tyson is also hauling in 10 rebounds a game. They got four double-digit scorers, man. So this Clemson team looks for real. Not a lot of household names, not a lot of guys you're going to be seeing dominating at the NBA level, but they're just playing great team basketball right now. We still need a little time to cook before we give you some sweeping statement about the ACC, but an interesting start, no doubt about it, with the way North Carolina's played. Virginia, some interesting losses, but they came up with that big win against the Heels, and Duke struggling, Fiddy telling people to be patient, Maybe you expect another Hubert Davis type year, except going the seven miles that it takes to get to the Durham campus and applying that same logic to John Shire. So very interesting start with an ACC basketball play. We still have a long way to go. And finally, just a little precursor to a couple of the coaching profiles that we'll have. Ken Dorsey coming up next. Also, we have Mike Kafka. The Giants offensive coordinator, play caller under Brian Dayball, who took over for the New York Giants. A couple more offensive minds here. 
Wes, as we get further away from the process, or I should say further away from the regular season, that saw Steve Wilkes go 6-6, six and six, we do at least have another defensive mind in D'Amico Ryans now in the mix here, the only other defensive mind. But do we feel any differently today that we expect maybe David Tepper to go after an offensive mind because it's an overwhelming majority of those candidates in this pool they're choosing from? Yeah, I think that that's the direction they want to go. Like we said, um, just all the guys that he's got, it seems like offense is the way they want to go. They seem like maybe they might want a new philosophy. So we'll see. What do you think, Fiddy? Do you think it's kind of trending the direction of being an offensive-minded guy that eventually takes over at head coach? Or do you still have quite a bit of faith that Steve Wilkes can get this job? No, I, I still think Steve Wilkes has a very good chance to be the next head coach of the Carolina Panthers. I just think David Tepper is doing this time what he should have done the first time he had a he made a head coaching hire, which was vetting out the process, going through as many candidates as possible, as many scenarios as possible, and I think if Steve Wilkes emerges as the best guy for the job, he'll get the head. Jo- he'll, he'll get the job despite being an offensive-minded coach and an offensive-minded league. It's not a Edwards producer for Ion College basketball at one o'clock at one thirty. Sam Farber, the Charlotte Hornets play-by-play announcer, will be joining us to talk about the second matchup in a row against the Toronto Raptors tonight for the Charlotte Hornets. We'll do a profile on Mike Kafka at two o'clock. But coming up next, we'll take a look a little bit deeper into the resume of one Ken Dorsey. How does his work with Josh Allen and Cam Newton help with a new potential QB that they might draft this offseason? We'll discuss all of that on Wesson Walker and we'll stay away from J.C. Horn on 92.7 FM. crashed the bus i hit the eject button i got off just in time and now we're talking about some coaching profiles on the wesson walker show sports radio 927 wfnz i did want to ask this question though just real quickly because wes you've been bringing in some chips here recently just to get a little pre-show snack almost like you're you got your capri sun you got your orange slices getting ready for the big game uh-huh. and then mom is going to take us out to pizza hut afterwards yeah so when you bring in these chips, you got some new ones that you got from Earth Fair, right? Yeah. Are you going healthy on us big time even when it comes to the chip game? Well, th- these chips are more nutritious than you would say, like getting Doritos and stuff like that. So when I go on Earth Fair, man, I like to try products mm-hmm. that they have. And so I saw these chips. The bag looked good. The chips look good. It's, it's, I, I guess you pronounce it Pocky. It's P-A-Q-U-I. And they have a... You know, a bold tortilla chip that I decided to try, man, because I'm a big Dorito. Doritos is my favorite chip ever. Nacho or Cool Ranch? Nacho, man, an OG. I don't oh. like Cool Ranch at all. Oh wow! So I got the uh, I got those, man, and they I got hooked on them immediately. So I love them. So I've only the only time I ever went to an Earth Fair was when I had to go to the bathroom at an App State tailgate right there on campus. That was the only time I ever walked in, never shopped. Mm-hmm. And I usually just go to Harris Teeter because mm-hmm. it's so close to my house. Mm-hmm. But Fresh Market, that's one that I've kind of dabbled with a little bit. Fresh Market's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, man. Earth Fair, I'm, I used to live right beside it because I live right behind Concord Mills. And so at first I didn't want to go in it because I thought it was going to be like a Whole Foods and it was mm-hmm. going to be expensive. And one of my friends was like, no, it's not that bad. And when you go in there, especially, you know, you get with the rewards and all that, it's pretty good. And to me, they have the best butcher bar none. They have the most. Earth Fair does? Yeah. They have the most stuff at their butcher 
I want to try that out. I also, you know, what would be funny is I would also be highly interested in not really where Fitty grocery shops, but just what is on the checklist. If Fitty were to make a grocery list and then bring it with him so he doesn't forget his strudels or his Pop-Tarts, what else is on that list, Fitty, if we were to look at your grocery list? Well, first off, uh, because I work in radio, I, I, I have to shop bargain deals. So I really only buy anything if it's on sale. So... The, the the sodas that I buy depends on what the best value is. I prefer Mountain Dew, but if Coke has a three for ten, I'm gonna go get I'm gonna go get three twelve <laughs> packs of Coke. Shopper. Um, now when it comes to toaster strudels, like they're usually two for four. I'm gonna buy those regardless. Same thing <laughs> this with my pop tarts. Guy has the deals memorized. You know, uh, same thing with my pop tarts. I usually have them two for five. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm a big frozen pizza guy because I live at home. So I'll, I'll, if if the you know the Totino's pizzas or if their actual pizzas are cheaper than their pizza rolls, I'll get the frozen pizzas. If the pizza roll has a better value, then I'll go buy pizza rolls just to switch it up. Chips, I only buy chips if they're on sale because chips are like four sixty a bag. You can find some good deals on chips. Yeah, those chips I was eating, they were five bucks. A yeah, a hundred percent. Like one time, Flounder <laughs> came over and he was like, uh, "Hey, you got any chips?" Uh huh. And I was like, no, I don't. And he was like, why not? I was like, because they're $5 a bag. If you want some chips, go buy them your damn self. Honestly, it's it's fantastic that you have the deals memorized for all of these snacks, which is which is, which is is awesome to hear. And it's also hilarious. You said, I'm a big uh, frozen pizza guy because I live at home. Yeah. Like, where else, yeah, I guess, I mean, where else do you live? I'm just, but, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm categorize the people that live at home. <laughs> I, I, guess, I guess it's because I live, well, I, I don't have someone to help cook. Like, I live at home. Just so you're, you live by yourself, kind of. You have roommates, but you don't have anybody that's going to yeah, take care of you. Do right. you ever uh, get like DiGiorno's or anything if you want to get fancy with your frozen pizza? No, because I think Totino's is better than DiGiorno. DiGiorno Ooh. is one of the most overrated products of all time. We just talked about DiGiorno's yesterday, wow. and Wes was in love with it. Like, Wes goes back all the way to the nostalgia that was them launching their product and saying, wait, we don't have delivery. We do have a pretty good option if you don't yeah. order from Domino's now. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, when DiGiorno first came out, I was just fascinated by it. I was like, <laughs> I can actually buy a pizza that the crust will rise and be thick, just like the ones I can get from the delivery guy. I was in love. I bought DiGiorno's <laughs> off-gate. You know, I like it. We have. I still do. I, I don't know what. I'm I'm confused. Kyle Bailey walked by the glass. He yeah. started looking at Why you. Why is he Fitty. looking at me like this? Now Flounder is walking yeah, by the glass. Yeah, he looking at me. I guess he don't like DiGiorno. We've had two people stop. Just Oh, now he doesn't oh, like DiGiorno. Oh, my God. The Fla- way y'all eat, y'all can't make a gag face at anything. F- Fitty and Flounder, both not fans of DiGiorno's oh, at no, all. I get are, thin crust I mean, First now, off, Flounder's, you know, his parents are authentic New York Italians. So okay. they're okay. very picky about their pizza. And so am I. Like, I've worked in pizza for so long. That, like, there's only a few places I'm going to go spend my money on. Like, when it's frozen pizza, I know what I'm paying for. Mm-hmm. But Totino's? Dude, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's just, just the pizza rolls or the frozen pizza. It's their own. I'm anyway, not knocking it. depends it. on the value. Did you? I just said this. Do you not listen? When I used to eat pizzas regular, I liked Tombstone. Tombstone <laughs> was my favorite. You're getting a little too wild over pizza takes over there. <laughs> You're going to have yeah, that like, high-pitched voice come yeah, out. Yeah, I like the Tombstone. The Tombstone is good. It's but not, not bad. But now I'm not going to lie. You probably will judge me by this, but now I get the pizzas with the cauliflower crust and then like oh, I vegan. Judge you. And, That's fine. You know, kind of healthy. If, if you want to go with the cauliflower. <laughs> 
flour crust. That is A-OK with me. Let's go to the text line, the Garage Door oh. Guru text line at 704-570-9610. We have a bunch. We, <laughs> it's a big cat Dan said DiGiorno is fire. We've got too many. Now, I'm trying to keep it on one text message, but the, we have a bunch of other ones rolling in. Wolfpack James just said Red Baron is my go-to. Red Baron was decent. Um, you have 704 number writing in Totino's is greater than DiGiorno all day, every day. Copeland Jokeland writing in, home is where the heart is. Uh, we're trying to go down. Hey, speaking of some of the grocery stores, Aldi's. Someone said Aldi's is where it at. Where I, when I was in college, Aldi's was a savior. Being able to go to Aldi's and then they have like two, maybe three brand name products tops. And they would have Gatorade. They'd have Pop-Tarts and they'd be on a fantastic deal. The frozen pizzas were great. Are you hating on Aldi's right now over Aldi's there? Aldi's is a scam. You have to pay to have a, to be able to use their shopping cart. They don't have bags either. You, hey, then you have to Hold bag on. your own yeah, groceries. Yeah, I don't like that. Okay. You guys are ridiculous. No. And none more. There is not a more ridiculous comment than Fiddy saying you have to pay to shop at Aldi's. Because what you do, if you're not familiar, uh-huh. all you do is you put a quarter into the slot that unlocks a shopping cart. And then you leave it in the shop. A quarter. And then you leave it in there the whole time you're shopping. And you know what? You get your quarter back when you put it in the place that you got it from. It's a complete. I never have a quarter. Yeah, exactly. Who in the in the year of two thousand and twenty three? My mom still uses cash chain. and change. Let's not act like you have to pay to shop at Aldi's. They're doing it so people don't steal their shopping card, and then you get your quarter back. You're not paying. You act like oh, you have to sign. Yeah, up but some what about the no bags? The that's trash. Yeah, they have to bag your own groceries. Yeah, and and there's no bags. They don't have bags for you to carry it in. You guys are trash. lazy grocery shoppers. Trash. You, you guys are like you no. Know, bring a trash bag. Yes, I agree. <laughs> And then you could be just fine. But listen, for the Queen City, official Queen City people, the giant penny is the best value popping. And I'm not going to lie. At first, I turned my nose up at it a little bit. And then once I started going, you get the most bang for your buck at Giant Penny. I've never even heard of Giant it's Penny. In, it's in like that kind of Noda type of area. It's, it's off I'm of. Um, I don't know. What it's it is. off the plaza. Okay, Giant Penny. I, giant Penny, bro. Like, my barber used to tell me to go there and get meat, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. I was like, I don't know. Then yeah. I went, and I mean, you get, you probably get 30 to 40% more for what you spend at another store. Yeah, Wolfpack James, by the way, writing in, buy some reusable bags. 704 number wrote in, hey, you have to bag your own products at Walmart, too. Now, they give you bags, but Aldi's, you at least have the cardboard box to carry your stuff in. Yes, it's inconvenient, but you save some Skrilla, as West Bryant might say. Right. <laughs> Someone that has deals memorized on chips and pizza, you would think would want to save more money. (laughs) But no, because you have to get rid of a quarter for maybe 30 minutes to 45 minutes, it's not worth doing. I count in my head as I go in the store, so I know what I'm going to spend. Yeah, I always lose track. But I round up. The way I grocery shop, I I would go every two weeks or so, and I would spend just a boatload. And I would absolutely pay attention to the deals and stuff because I was, yeah, once I started to. to learn to cook and whatever, I would pay attention to the deals, but I had no clue what I was about to spend. That's the key to Harris Teeter. Mm-hmm. It's a Vic. Scott, the XFL honk writing in. Y'all some lazy shoppers. Get them, Scott. 
damn right there's some lazy shoppers. Man, I have some bags like every other grocery <laughs> store does. <laughs> Giant Penny has bags. I've never even heard of Giant Penny. I'm going to have to try that out. 704-570-9610. We'll try to get to some of the other text messages, but we do need to get to the coaching profile of Ken Dorsey, the Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator. And he's someone that does have some familiarity with the Carolina Panthers organization because it's where he got his start, really, in coaching. If you look at Ken Dorsey, he was a pro scout for Carolina in 2011 and 2012. From 2013 to 2018, so from 2011 to 2018, he was with the Panthers. He was there as a quarterback coach in those five, six years. Worked with Cam Newton, was with the staff and Cam Newton, that offense, during the Super Bowl run, during the three years in a row when they were able to win the NFC South. And he was promoted to passing game coordinator in 2021 for the Buffalo Bills, once McDermott brought him from Carolina to the Bills organization. And this is the past year, this is the first year, where he was calling plays for this Bills team. We know how good they've been the last couple of seasons. Josh Allen has emerged as an MVP candidate the last couple of years. And that was a big jump from the raw talent he was when you drafted him to where he is now, just putting on some absolute ridiculous offensive production, whether it be running or passing the football. Mm -hmm. And we've seen Ken Dorsey work with Cam Newton too. So how much stock do you put into his development with both of those bigger, you know, also pretty good rushing style quarterbacks how much stock do you put into that with ken dorsey west when considering him for a head coaching job uh, i put into it a lot because when you look at it i like to see you know proof in the stats and facts and so you see and that, analytics yeah and his first season working with josh allen he had the biggest improvement in quarterback rating of anyone in the nfl in 2019 he was a plus 17.4 in his quarterback rating. And so I like seeing stats like that, seeing that he works with the guy and they get better. And then we know what Cam did with him. Uh, he worked with Cam for four of his first six seasons. And so I think if you're the Carolina Panthers and talking about perhaps drafting highly likely that you draft a quarterback, then this is a guy that you know the proof is in the pudding as far as him helping them to develop. So I like that a lot, and I think if I'm an organization going in the direction of the Panthers, you look at Buffalo's offensive ranks, they're seventh in the run, eighth in the pass, second total offense, uh, second in points per game, third in yards per play, and these are all per-game rankings. And so uh, I like what I've seen there, and I like his development because, like I said, Josh Allen was not looking like the sure thing that he is today when he first came into the league. So Dorsey's showing that he is a quarterback whisperer. I know that's a term that a lot of people like to use, but he's showing that he can develop young quarterbacks. So I like his candidacy a lot. A lot of these candidates come from the same mold. They're they're the young offensive coordinator. Oftentimes we go to the quarterback in their tutelage, and we've seen them develop from year to year, whether it be Cam Newton, Josh Allen. We go to Ben Johnson yesterday. We talk about the improvement of Jared Goff in Ben Johnson's first year. We'll talk about Daniel Jones improving quite a bit under Mike Kafka and Brian Dable. And what's interesting here with Dorsey is you're discussing a guy just like Kafka, kind of the bridge between these two candidates. Brian Dable has been somebody that they both worked under. So very interesting there. And uh, looking at um, Ken Dorsey with him, his time in Carolina, I think, was viewed pretty favorably. Again, quarterback coach from 13 to 18, the prime years of Cam Newton. And I do think just like we put a lot of merit into what players in the locker room are saying about Steve Wilkes, 
Cam Newton always talked about his relationship with Ken Dorsey, guy that worked most closely to him. Greg Olson put out a tweet on Ken Dorsey saying he would make a great head coach in the NFL. I believe this was a few months back when he put that tweet out there. So you are getting some backing from some pretty big Panthers figures in this organization. And I think that does carry a lot of stock when you're discussing what the fan base might feel if they were to go this route. Now, Pilot Mike writing in Ken Dorsey, whole bunch of question marks, whole bunch of exclamation points. Please know Big Cat Dan wrote in, would love Ken Dorsey as a coach, also would love to finally steal something back from the Bills like they did with McDermott and Brandon Bean. Yeah, the Bills stole a lot of the good things here with uh, Carolina. So what would you think about Ken Dorsey being that guy? And how much credence do you put with him having a favorable view during his tenure here with Carolina? Well, I think that that certainly plays a lot into it. And also, you know, going back to his background as a quarterback at the University of Miami, the leadership that he displayed in that program, he was a one of the key cogs in their championship run, and I like that a lot. As far as just you know when you're getting a championship-level quarterback, the type of leadership that he displayed, all of that lends itself to uh, him being a leader in the locker room, a leader of men that people like to say. He's done that already as a player. I think that he could do a fine job of that uh, as a coach. And, you know, like Fiddy likes his coaches to be a little fired up. We saw the secret camera with him fired up. <laughs> that, and that's right. When he was slamming, slamming and it. throwing stuff, rage, uh, rage quitting, mm-hmm. like we did when we played video <laughs> games. So I think that a lot of people would like that too to get a fiery coach like that. Ken Dorsey would have totally shut off the PS2 in that game if he had that opportunity. <laughs> he would have slammed the headset. He would have said some awful things, mm-hmm. and then his mom. He would have asked his mom to bring in the pizza rolls right now, right. <laughs> and then he would have reset the PS2. What do you think about Ken Dorsey fitting? I was actually going to go to that. Does the anger and the temper that was displayed, does that turn you off? Like for me, and look, I know I'm the guy that wants his coaches to be yelling and screaming and all that. But I think that display that he was unhappy with their level of execution, that he's the type of coach that is going to make sure they do it and they do it the right way. Didn't happen with Matt Rule. Matt Rule let them get away with so much. You know, Steve Wilkes did bring a level of professionalism to the job. And so as much as I love the antics that he displayed in that one moment, I think it speaks more about he's the type of guy that wants to make sure they're executing and doing things the right way because how hard it is to win at a high level in this league. Yeah. And I honestly don't know if I go one way or the other based off of that tantrum that he threw. I think he got really angry at the situation and then he decided to slam his headphones. It certainly means that there is some sort of passion within there, but I don't really care one way or the other. I don't think it makes his case. I don't think it breaks it, but I do think that Ken Dorsey would be the type of guy that holds his players accountable. And the last thing, too, just to kind of go over the rankings, we did this with Steichen and Ben Johnson. Ranked second in total yards this year that Bill's offense has. Ranked second in total points. If you look at the rushing offense, how about they rank seventh in the NFL despite not having great running backs? Now, a lot of that is because Josh Allen is so good, but ranking seventh in total yards for the offense, 15th in touchdowns, which, you know, hit or miss, whatever. Passing offense, second in touchdowns, seventh in yards, eighth in attempts. What do you make of the numbers? Well, I guess uh, you weren't listening to me like five or six minutes ago because I said all of that. You said all of those numbers there? Except for a couple. Okay. So... (laughs) 704-570-9610. I was reading some text messages and then I wasn't paying attention. Hopefully Ken Dorsey no, 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 pays those attention to more details. I want an offensive guy if you're coming to me because the next candidate we're going to talk about. I do have some issues with the numbers that I saw from him. I want if you're going to be up for a head coaching job for you to have uh, supreme numbers. 
I like all of that. If I see you in the top 10 and top fives in your rankings, Mm -hmm. then I'm with it. Okay. So uh, would Ken Dorsey approach genius status here? Does he have to get Not at all. Okay. (laughs) We'll see Mm -hmm. if he can do that. And uh, we'll also have, again, the coaching profile on Mike Kafka. I will do my best to listen to Wes and Fitty once we get to that profile. I'm also going to do my best to listen to Fitty right now. It's the first flash of the day. What you got? The NFL has made its uh, determination of where a potential Bills-Chiefs AFC title game would be played because we know that game would be neutral site. Atlanta, Mercedes-Benz, uh, the, 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 their dome would host the AFC title game, and I bet that makes Arthur Blank happy because he spent all that damn money to finally host a championship game that's never going to happen with that Falcons franchise. Here's my problem with that is that that no matter where that game was going to be played, was going to be played outside in the cold. Why not keep it somewhere still outside, still in the cold, so the elements could play a factor as opposed, as opposed to putting it inside a dome setting? Yeah, I, I'm not in favor of a neutral site game. I think going to the home field makes all the sense in the world, especially because it's what these teams will play for. And so I understand some of the reasons they might go to a neutral site. Are you a fan of neutral site games when not it comes at to all. these types? Yeah. Not at all. Unless it's the Super Bowl, it's trash. Right. The home field plays into the narrative of the game. Don't like it one bit. What about you, Fiddy? Are you a fan or are you against kind of doing neutral site games? Um, if they didn't already have bylaws to kind of follow in this situation, I would understand They had rules and guidelines for something like this to cause a cancellation, and they went completely against it. Mm -hmm. So, I, 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 in in that instance, I'm not, I'm not a fan of it. Also, can we not just put this game maybe in Lambeau Field just to rub it in Aaron Rodgers' face how he failed one more time? And have a winner in a playoff game in Lambeau and it not be Aaron Rodgers. I'm sure that would make both of your day one West and Fiddy excited. I would be lit. Yeah, that Aaron Rodgers not in the postseason anymore. We'll get to Nada Edwards, producer of the Ion College Basketball Podcast at 1 o'clock. Coming up next, we'll visit the campus corner. Wes Bryan has revised his top five ACC teams. We'll find out why coming up next on Sports Radio 92.7 FM. to go in the first hour. Weston Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. I want to compare quarterbacks to grocery stores and where you might find them. Where would you find an Anthony Richardson if you were shopping? Where would you find a Will Levis if you were shopping for quarterbacks at the grocery store? Wow. I want to game plan that, plan yeah, the show. Yeah, yeah, we maybe, maybe, maybe we do that a little bit later on, and you can feel free to text in and give your thoughts. Where would you draft? Where would you shop for some of these quarterbacks in the NFL draft if you could purchase them at a grocery store? 704-570-9610. That's the Garage Door Guru text line. Let's now get to the campus corner where Wes Bryant was going over his top five ACC teams this offseason yesterday and decided to maybe have a little bit of a switch up here. You wanted to go in depth, your top five ACC teams, Wes, as you have a second look. Yeah, man, you know, and preparing a piece for the ACC Digital Network at the ACCDN on all platforms. You know, just really going in and giving some research. And yesterday I had Pitt at five, not realizing how many guys they had lost that I thought were going to be back. So just to give a you know quick recap now, I have entered Louisville at number five. You know, after eight and five season, they went four and four Seriously? in the ACC. 
They beat Cincinnati in a Fenway Bowl. And then key returnees, they got Malik Cunningham coming back. Jawad Jordan, who had a monster bowl game and had a pretty good season in linebacker, Monty Montgomery. So I like him, new head coach in tow. But I think they have a lot of talent coming back, and especially with Malik Cunningham coming back. And that's the main reason, having an experienced quarterback like that. And Brock Doman showed in backup duty that he can be uh, reliable as well. Yeah, where does Louisville, where does Bubba Cunningham or Malik Cunningham rank when you're discussing quarterbacks in the ACC coming back within the conference? Well, coming back last season, we had him really high. Yeah. We had him in our in our top ten. But uh, coming back this season, uh, I would think right now, you know, you're talking about my man Riley Leonard, Drake May, Jordan Travis. And then I think Malik Cunningham falls somewhere maybe in the four to five range. Uh, you know, just all things depending. It's going to be a lot of new faces at quarterback in the ACC. Uh, then at number four, like I said, I know Florida State fans will hate me because everybody loves them right now, but I had them at four. They went 10-3, and 5-3 and three last year, got a cheese at bow win. Their key returnees are going to be Jordan Travis, running back Trey Benson, Jared Verse. Then uh, I just, like I said, I just don't think Florida State, they lost all three games to ranked teams in the middle of the season. They beat up five patsies to mediocre teams late in the year. Jordan Travis went 13 of 30 versus Florida, who was not very good. And then Oklahoma, like I said, that defense is Swiss cheese, just to put it politely. And they had a shootout uh, with them. Then at number three, I got the Tar Heels. Like I said, nine and five last year. Holiday Bowl appearance. Their key returnees, both of the linebackers that I think are two of the more underrated players because that defense's reputation isn't like that. With Cedric Gray and Power Echoes, though, they're two really good linebackers. And then, of course, uh, Mr. Drake May. I think, you know, UNC was ahead of schedule last year. They took a ranked Oregon team to the brink with a depleted roster. So, you know, there's that. Number two, I got the Duke Blue Devils. I think Duke ended the year playing good football. They beat my Deeks. They smashed a good UCF team. Uh, in their bowl game, the military bowl, all their guys are back. Riley Leonard, the stud. You know, they key returnees, Riley Leonard, Jalen Calhoun, Dwayne Carter, one of the more underrated defensive linemen in the league. And then the Clemson Tigers, who I have at number one, who I don't think are going to be a juggernaut, but I think they're still good enough to win the league. They won 11-3 last year, 8-0 in ACC. Orange Bowl appearance. Their key returnees are Kay Klubnik, who I'm not very high on, uh, but running back Will Shipley, I think, is poised to uh, have another 1,000-yard season. And then Jeremiah Trotter Jr., at linebacker, that's going to be one of the nation's absolute finest at the position. So a couple of absences here that are notable to me, at least. Your alma mater, Wake Forest, yes. not in the top five. Mm-hmm. How much of that is because Sam Hartman left the program? It's big, you know, and they went three and five in the ACC last year. I mean, their key returnees, quarterback Mitch Griffiths uh, is coming back after he kind of teeter-tottered on the portal. Jamal Banks is one of the ACC receivers that you will get to know this year. Justine Davis is another pass rusher that you'll get to know this year. Also had uh, other teams that were in the mix that kind of just missed out, in my opinion. NC State, uh, you know, they went 8-5, and 4-4, four and four, but they, they're losing a lot of guys. But they're getting Brennan Armstrong. They still get Isaiah Moore and Peyton Wilson back at linebacker. Thea Thomas is back. And then, like I said, Pitt, they lost a ton of guys, but they still went 9-4, and 5-3. and three. Nick Patty played good in the bowl game. MJ Devonshire was a uh, all-ACC specialist, honorable mention at cornerback. And then Rodney Hammond Jr. had a really good game against UCLA uh, in that bowl game. So, Wake Forest out. Those are some of the reasons why you just mentioned. NC State, also not in the top five. I know we talked a little bit about Brennan Armstrong and why you might value Brennan more so or less so than maybe other people. I, I think there can be a happy medium 
and you actually get an upgrade at the QB spot compared to what Devin Leary did last season. How close is NC State to getting in the top five, and why do you have them on the outside? I mean, you know, they're right on the outside, and I think because they're going to lose a lot of those guys off that defense, and that defense was really good for them last year, but they're going to lose a lot of familiar faces there, uh, especially Drake Thomas. He was really, really good for them as well. And then, like I said, Brandon Armstrong, offensively, the personnel for me uh, just isn't there for me to feel like that he can come in and duplicate what he once did uh, at Virginia. I just don't think uh, NC State has the requisite wide receivers. Uh, Like I said, I do like Thayer Thomas, but I just don't think that unit as a whole is going to scare a lot of people. All right, so if we continue to explore the college football offseason, looking at what happened in basketball this year, you're looking at top four teams that are kind of surprises to some degree, right? I don't know if anybody would have finished their top four rankings in the ACC. They'd come up with Clemson, Pittsburgh, Wake Forest, and Miami with nowhere, North Carolina not at the top, Duke, right? Which one of those teams, if we transition to football, might that be at the end of next season? Georgia Tech, who finished very well after they fired Jeff Collins initially. Could you expect that from Miami starting to get their feet under him a little bit under Mario Cristobal? Who are you kind of looking at as a sleeper or a surprise team? Man, it's tough. I really do, though, want to go with Miami because I just I still think Crystal Ball you know it was his first season they were lacking talent in key areas especially wide receiver so I think with him getting a chance to get more recruits and more transfers in and the thing I like about Crystal Ball is he's building the program the right way they are making a big deal out of the guys they're getting in the trenches he's been racking up uh, some big-time offensive linemen. He's been going after that defensive line hard, and I think he understands with him being an ex-offensive lineman, you know, how it just all starts there. We know that. He's coached in the SEC with Nick Saban. You know, he's been at Oregon, but he understands in college football. We talked about this yesterday. That's the main difference when you talk about on the field with the SEC and, and everybody else. The teams at the top of the SEC is the depth on the defensive lines and the uh, dominance of the offensive lines, but especially the depth on the defensive line. You have to have those dogs up front, and you have to have those big hosses going back to our nicknames uh, in the middle of those (laughs) defensive lines if you want to compete with SEC teams. Those big fellas? Yeah, man, you got to have them. Like I said, Clemson was the team outside of the SEC that was competing with them as far as defensive line depth and having good offensive lines, but that – they they still have that to a degree, but then everything else has kind of been falling apart around that. The big champs, you probably couldn't do that. The yeah. big sport. No. <laughs> the big sport. The big guys. The big guys. The big pals. Yeah. No, you yeah. don't. The, the big pals, that is demeaning, referring to the trenches. That is Wes Bryant's new and improved top five ACC college football programs heading into the next yeah, season. Way too early, top five. Now let's go to some college basketball conversation. Nada Edwards, producer of Ion College Basketball's podcast. He's going to help us discuss what's happened so far in the ACC. That's coming up next on Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 FM.